This April, Merely Role Players is launching Vigil the Great Fire, the newest instalment of their ongoing supernatural mystery series. A demon of annihilating flame has been stalking the English market town of Sheridan since the 1850s, and in the Great Fire, it finally reveals its endgame. In time, everything burns. Vigil is Merely Role Players' epic supernatural mystery story powered by the Monster of the Week role-playing game by Michael Sands. It's a tale of the misfits and weirdos who step up to protect their neighbours from things that go bump in the night, after the government cuts their small town's official team of monster hunters. With a big rotating cast and a thoroughly English take on Monster of the Week, Vigil is supernatural meets Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. Scroll back through the back catalogue of Merely Role Players to Playtime Act 1 to catch up and meet all the characters before their luck runs out. A quick content note here before we begin this episode of What Am I Rolling? This episode's one-shot, The Between, is an unavoidably dark game. Murder, body horror, dark sexual themes, spiders, threats to children and animals, foul language, blasphemy, witchcraft and defiling corpses are all things that come up in this game on a fairly regular basis. If you have suspicion that these game's themes are not for you, then this one-shot is probably not for you either, and that's perfectly fine. If you're not in the right headspace just now, please feel free to stop listening and come back if or when you're ready. Thanks again, and stay safe, my friends. Hello, and welcome to What Am I Rolling? A twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Hosted by me, Fiona. This is part three of our Between One-Shot, so make sure you've listened to the first couple of parts before continuing on with this episode. To briefly recap, Nat, Strat, Helen and myself are playing residents of a place called Hargrave House, and it's our job to investigate and neutralise monstrous threats terrorising the city. Threats that Scotland Yard won't or can't handle themselves. We're currently dealing with the case of the spider silk seamstress. Sir Richard Harlow, an ally of Hargrave House, has been found dead, hollowed out and wrapped in silk-like threads. Hargrave House has learnt that a fey creature in the guise of an alluring fashion designer is behind the murder. Can our hunters stop this creature before she claims more victims amongst the London social elite? Well, only time will tell. The Between is powered by the apocalypse, meaning its mechanics are inspired in part by Vincent and Megge Baker's Apocalypse World. It's also carved from Brindlewood, meaning the mystery mechanics and procedures are inspired by Brindlewood Bay. Jason does an incredible job of guiding us through the between, going through the structure of play, explaining the different playbooks and moves, as well as being an excellent GM. So I don't want to dwell too much on how to play here, because frankly, he did such a great job, there's just no point in competing with it. The key thing to remember, though, is this. Whenever a player makes a move, they roll 2d6 plus a modifier from one of the five abilities. The five abilities are Vitality, Composure, Reason, Presence, and Sensitivity. Once they have rolled, they will check the result against the text of a move. If a move refers to a hit, it means a result of seven or more. If a move refers to a miss, it means a result of six or less. Moves also frequently have success tiers, normally going in this order. Miss, 7 to 9, 10 to 11, and 12 plus. Essentially, the higher the result, the more successful the move was. A massive thank you to Jason Cordova, the game designer behind The Between, who ran the game as a special two-part livestream for the Wear Twitch channel back in January. 
This episode's audio was taken from that live stream and edited down ever so slightly to be more friendly for a podcast audience. But you can watch the original stream on the Wear YouTube channel. I'll put a link to it on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. Many thanks to the cast of Merely Roleplayers for joining me on this one shot. Merely Roleplayers is a podcast where theatrical people play role-playing games in the pursuit of maximum drama. You can find all things Merely Roleplayers at merelyroleplayers.com or search Merely Roleplayers in your usual podcast app. One last thing before we begin. Naturally, there are times in this one shot where the players and myself, mostly myself, get the rules wrong or forget something plot-wise. Whilst we always endeavour to stick to rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes, and what matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. And with all that out of the way, let's get back to the between. Uh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, why don't we start by having us all introduce ourselves to the viewers. Um, when I call on you, please say your name, your pronouns, anything else you'd like for us to know about you, and also tell us who you are playing, bearing in mind what you are and are not allowed to say about your past. You can say anything you've already revealed. So that is something you can say about your past from now on. Um, but I'll start. My name is Jason. I use he, him. Uh, they is also fine. I am the uh, founder and organizer of the Gauntlet Gaming Community. Um, I host a couple of podcasts over there, including uh, Fear of a Black Dragon. And I am the creator of uh, the games Brindlewood Bay and The Between, and the co-creator of The Between's spinoff, The Between Ghosts of El Paso. Um, let's go over to Nat. Hello, I am Nat. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, I'm a voice actor, director, TTRPGer. I, I, at the moment, will be playing uh, Wild Rose Fletcher, the, the American, because uh, uh, nationality is, uh, <laughs> is a character fluid. class in this <laughs> fluid, one. <laughs> fluid, yes. <laughs> I'm also very jealous that I don't get my own, like, gothic victoriana background because my camera doesn't support it like if i try i become the forest which is also quite cool but, uh, gonna... i like that personally yeah. I think it looks great. <laughs> maybe maybe i'll keep that for for if uh certain something happens yes uh, mentioned yes. i'll come back and run trophy for you which is our dark forest horror game <laughs> oh well, yeah that will be perfect for that <laughs> she's got the tech i'm ready uh helen you go next hi um i'm helen I don't have anything interesting to say about my life outside this stream. <laughs> I'm playing Eve Estrella, the undeniable. She's very beautiful and um, it's kind of messed up, messed her up and messed up a lot of people around her, I would say. She's problematic, but she, I'd say she's your problematic fave waiting to happen, you know, <laughs> if you weren't here yesterday. Yeah. That's it, I think. The biggest irony of the between is that the biggest villain in the story is part of the playgroup. <laughs> so, like, like, okay. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Who are the bad guys? That's an open question. Who watches the Watchmen? <laughs> um, Helen, do you want to pass it on to either Strat or Fiona? <laughs> oh, uh, Fiona, please. 
Oh, thank you. Um, hi everyone, I'm Fiona. I am the host of What Am I Rolling? So this is my channel, although it doesn't feel like it at times uh, because I am all over the place. But uh, yes, I run What Am I Rolling, which is a twice monthly RPG one-shot podcast. And we do lots of stuff like this, lots of different systems that, you know, need a bit of light shot on them and little, you know, just something different. That's not, say, the big wizard game that's got everyone upset just now. Tonight, I have the absolute pleasure of playing a grandson and I've, I've practiced it all day, but I'm still not going to write the fact factorum. No, there's basically I'm in the, in the employ of Jonas Hart. I am a servant, and the one thing we have revealed so far about Granson is that in a former life, she, uh, it was both both me and Granson used she her pronouns. Uh, she was training to be a doctor and was one of the first female doctors of the generation, uh, and was seen in an in an anatomy lesson. Can't even say words tonight, but yes, that is Granson, and I will finally pass it over to Strat. Hello, uh, I'm Strat. He's uh, he him pronouns. I am a regular voice on the merely role players uh, podcast, uh, where I play a recurring character, um, Briar, a, a shape shifting fae in our current ongoing uh, vigil series. And uh, this evening um, slash morning, depending on where you are, I will be playing Branson's employer, Jonas Hart, um, the Legacy Playbook. Uh, Jonas comes from a long, 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 long line of uh, monster hunters, a pretty brutal family that seem to care more about slaying monsters than they do about their own children, it seems. <laughs> um, he is both emotionally and physically scarred from 30-something uh, years of, of monster hunting uh, and carries the, the family blade uh, Requiem. Um, which has been pretty handy in a, a pinch with a with a fay already. So I'm sure it will be unsheathed again. <laughs> we get to see last time that Jonas's ancestor, I can't remember who it was uh, offhand, got to like hang around in Versailles, <laughs> like you know, and do their monster hunting there. And meanwhile, Jonas is stuck in the the muck of Victorian London. So <laughs> I feel like you um you got the you got the worst end of that. Hereditary party. Yeah, a family on on decline. Yeah. <laughs> I keep trying to kill things that kill them off. It's uh, it's, it's problematic. Weird business model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to recap first by going over to the. If we're going to go to the threat tab, we'll talk about the spider silk seamstress, a an associate of Hargrave House, Sir Richard Harlow, was found dead. Uh, this news was actually brought to you by another associate of his, um, a woman named Abigail Walker from the Blue Feather Society. But basically, he was found dead, hollowed out. They keep saying that, hollowed out like a like, like he was a husk, or a husk is all that was left of him, wrapped in silver thread. And he is one of several people in recent months that have been found dead in this way. The connecting uh, thread <laughs> between them all is... <laughs> Uh, is this Ms. Hazel Beaumont, who uh, has sort of been a uh, sort of love interest of the various people who were found dead, and Sir Richard being among them. And we know that Ms. Beaumont is a fashion designer and seamstress working out of Savile Row. Um, she has this very like kind of avant-garde dress shop that we got to see last time. And she may have a couple of strange assistants, the sisters Sendula. You don't know their name yet, but uh, they're 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 keeping an eye on, uh, on 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 Wild Rose right now. And 
that's sort of what's going on there as far as just the overall thing. You're trying to figure out like what to do about this Ms. Hazel Beaumont, who you believe and indeed know is a fae creature. Now, we have three questions here. How is the creature ensnaring her victims? What is the creature's true name? Or what does the creature truly want? You can answer any of them, all of which unlock an opportunity to resolve the threat, meaning to stop the danger. The first one is a very like kind of physical, violent sort of encounter, uh, if you go with that one. The second one breaks her power to stay in this world. And then the third one, you actually strike a deal with her, according to ancient Fae customs. And if this game uh, were to continue, and who knows, it might someday, that third one gives you access to a brand new move that everyone can do, um, as long as you're maintaining your contract with Ms. Beaumont. So I'm not going to tell you what the move does yet, but just know that that is a thing. You currently have six clues, which is a really good number for all of these, actually. Um, it's great for the first two questions, and then a couple more, and you'll be in really good shape for the third one. But basically, there was a letter from an apothecary that says uh, it was addressed to Sir Richard or, yeah, to Sir Richard and, and kind of expressing regret that they didn't have something he was looking for, a particular plant. There was a major moth infestation at Sir Richard's apartment, very hard to keep under control. It started when Ms. Beaumont started coming around. Ms. Fletcher found a severed hand with a wedding ring uh, in the back of the dress shop. Also found a jar of human skin, herbs, and spider husks in near the same place. Uh, there was a book of fairy tales bound in blue leather, silver embossed, with comments and corrections in the margins. Um, and then probably the most intriguing of the clues is Mr. Hart spoke to Ms. Beaumont. And Ms. Beaumont, we didn't see her fully but we saw rows of red glowing eyes in the shadows. So that is sort of um, what's going on there as far as the clues go. You still have the Mask of Glamour available to you if anybody wants to bump up a die roll in the future. That's an option if you don't want to mark uh, your, the ones on your sheet. And that's sort of where we're going there. I have, I have not been noting the side characters down here, but if you all have your notes, you can just refer to your own personal notes. And I think that's about it as far as the threats go. You currently have one mastermind clue, which came yesterday in the form of Grantson meeting a strange, uh, enigmatic, wealthy woman in a carriage, uh, who we got to see out of character at the very end of the session yesterday as well. Um, that is our mastermind. Taking a look at the characters and your conditions, everyone but Mr. Hart and Granson have racked up some conditions. So basically just Ms. Fletcher and Ms. Estrella. Uh, those conditions are not necessarily negative, but they can be. They can negatively affect you. But in any case, if you want to get rid of them, the most efficient way of doing that is to have an intimate scene with another character while you're doing your vice. So that is how you do that. And I suspect we'll see some of that at the start. I did that's want to reflective. Sorry, yeah. I think that's reflective of how this has been going so far. Like, I don't know what Jonas Hart and Granson have been doing. Nothing important. <laughs> Eva Strayer and Rose Fletcher have been doing the really important hard work of going dress shopping and yeah, going shopping to a ball. And parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's terrible, guys. But it's really tiring. <laughs> you won't believe. <laughs> yes, I, think, I was being exactly the same thing. Going, what have they been doing? <laughs> I was kind of going through the events of yesterday and thinking about conditions that I probably should have handed out, uh, which, and I do this sometimes. I was going to give Grantson a condition to memorialize the encounter with the mastermind, and I was going to call it the Sapphire. Um, I thought that would be fun. Yes. Um, and for Mr. Hart, I'd given a lot of thought to that as well. But Mr. Hart was pretty efficient last time. I don't know that Mr. <laughs> Hart 
really um, <laughs> earned any conditions. So I think you're probably okay. Are there any questions before we begin the day phase? Nothing from me. I think so. All right. Well, we'll kick off with the day phase. This does not always necessarily take place immediately after the previous night. It can be days or weeks after. This one does, though, because of how we kind of left certain events um, the night before. At the beginning of the day phase, I will present a new threat if there are less than three active threats. In this game, you can have three and as many, some very rarely, but occasionally four active threats going at one time that Hargrave House is having to manage. And even though this is a two-shot, I am going to go ahead and introduce a second threat because that's what we would normally do. And who knows, we might play this again in the future. So in case yes, we do, please. we're ready to go. If you want to follow along, it is called the Limehouse Lurker. I will read it to you. Jenny Johnston, the proprietor of an opium den in Limehouse, tells you a story that has not yet reached Scotland Yard or the papers. Three people have been found dead in recent days, the bodies completely exsanguinated. Lots of hollowed out bodies lately. Mm -hmm. The first was a sex worker called Soft Jimmy. He was found in a dark corner of the opium den that she runs. Mm -hmm. The second was a young mother, Charla Bell, found in an alleyway behind the Limehouse School, which is a workhouse. The third was a Chinese sailor, Xiaodong Hai, found outside a pub near the Regent's Canal Dock. This pub is called the Dog and Whistle. Jenny, an informal community leader in Limehouse, has been keeping the bodies in her basement. She's hesitant to go to the authorities because she fears it will cause trouble for the small but thriving Chinese immigrant community in the district, of which she is a member. She heard that Hargrave House has experience with matters such as this and has asked for your help. Who among you has the highest reason? Can't be me. Uh, I have one reason. I have zero reason. It is Granson. Oh, what? <laughs> okay. Granson. Yes. Granson, question. Mm -hmm. Hargrave House knows about creatures that drink the blood of their victims. They're called vampires. You particularly probably know about them because of who you work for. <laughs> um, a detail in Jenny's story convinces you this particular vampire has the body of a small child. What is it? Oh, uh, I think it's... The the way the neck is, uh, the necks are found when the bodies are found. Um, you can see there's almost been like a tight grip on the neck, and if you study it or you see the pictures or or whatever drawings of it, the actual sort of finger tips or the the grips of the prints are very small, almost like it could be anywhere between sort of a maybe a three to five year old's sort of hand span. It's not it, it doesn't go across the full neck. If you see what I mean. Some of these details are almost certainly pinging your your radar mr hart knowing what we know about you the vampire in question the limehouse lurker is physically a child we we're pretty convinced of that but that doesn't mean it's young vampires never physically age beyond how old they were when they were changed into vampires and an old vampire has to be handled in a very different way from a young one unless you're a, unless you're a heart um, <laughs> and then there's only one way to handle them <laughs> <laughs> But in any case, you have a question. It's a threshold question, meaning there's another question that follows up after you answer this one. The question is, is the vampire young or old? It's a complexity four. 
you have quite a lot of leads already on this particular threat. You know that generally you are operating in Limehouse for this one. There is the body found behind the workhouse. There is the body found behind the pub. And there is the body found in Jenny Johnston's opium den. So that is um, a thing. And I just, for people watching the, the Twitch stream, Jenny Johnston uh, is actually a play on a real life historical figure in London of this time named Johnny Johnston, who ran an opium den in my mm. house. So I like to throw that detail out there. I think mm. it's fun. Very funny. Um, so that is sort of what's going on there. You also have another aspect of the Janus mask available to you here, which is called the mask of the sun. So with all that said, I do want to find out what everyone's interested in doing, but I'm actually going to start with a scene between Wild Rose and Sylvia Bellrose. Oh, I just realized you both have Rose in your name. Um, <laughs> Meant to be. And I'm also going to have Oren Blackwood show up at some point to the Hargrave house. But otherwise, <laughs> I am curious what everyone wants to do today. Uh, you're, you're welcome to start investigating Limehouse Lurker. I think that's great fun. Um, but, you know, obviously, you've got this one. If you want to try to get this one done today, that's also something you might focus on. The, uh, the, the fairy one. So, Mr. Hart, what do you think? Oh, it's a good vampire. <laughs> good Limehouse. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how I can... I can avoid that. That's uh, did did we miss one? Is this the same one? Did I not kill it right? Mm. I, I'm. Or is it brand new? Is it brand new? That's is the question, right? Back? Yeah. Uh, I I think the moment this word gets in, it just tears her off to Limehouse probably without a second thought. And I, I would join him. The door's already open. I've got my umbrella. Um, <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Wild Rose, I do want to have a scene with you at, at Sylvia Bellrose's place, but once that's done, what would you be interested in doing? Uh, I guess it depends on what the, the clue is that I get from there. Um, yeah. I kind of want to investigate the... the so there was the severed hand with the wedding ring. Mm. And uh, this is me metagaming slightly. I appreciate... Um, I think Wild Rose would probably want to see if she could get the ring identified to match it to a victim to prove that one of the people who went missing their wedding ring has been found mm. at this mm. shop to Very but cool. uh mm. i don't know if that would help with any of metagaming i think probably what i would do with that is i would have that be like extra context that you went and found out once you get ready to answer the question you could be like right. i i researched the ring and found out the ring was this person or whatever okay right. sure 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 um also, I'll point out that the daytime is a great time to do vulnerable move scenes with other characters in order to get conditions cleared. So I think both you and Ms. Estrella could maybe stand to have a, a scene where you are getting vulnerable <laughs> with each other, whatever that means in Ms. Estrella's terms. Um, it's all relative, I think. Um, as long as one of you is doing your vice, and I'll remind you what your vices are, uh, well, really reminding the viewers, Ms. Estrella's vice is extravagant spending. Um, so that is a thing. Or somehow getting your tattoos involved in the conversation wild rose as long as one of you is engaging in your vice in some way even if it's the aftermath of extravagant spending that's also fine so but yeah uh so with all that said what do you think wild rose i'm envisioning that she does not get back to hargrave house in time to hear about the vampire situation before jonas yeah. is left <laughs> right <laughs> so i probably stick to um Stick to working on the the current situation with the dresses. Um, again, yeah, I I'm not entirely sure until I know what the clue is that I'm going to get. 
Okay, we'll, we, we, we'll, we'll, resolve. we'll come back to it then. Mrs. Strayer, what would you be interested in doing today? Okay, so um, Edith needs to get this trash out of Savile Row. And, <laughs> um, um, but the, emo- the emotional side to that, if it exists within, within her, is that, and it's not, this is still not nice, by the way, don't be ready to feel anything for her. Um, the, the silk seamstress is more likely to be going after... Eve's people than the Limehouse lurker by a lot, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, she's gonna keep to her own. So, why don't we start with Wild Rose for now and then we'll kind of figure out where the scenes go from there? Mm-hmm. So, you had done the tall tales move, Wild Rose, and you got the mid result, I think, on that. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you bumped yes. it up from a miss. And it says on a hit, uh, you know, Sylvia Bellrose obviously fell for your charm and. We'll do as you wish or reveal a clue, your choice. You're you're kind of getting both in a way, I think, here. And so I think we just pick up at Sylvia Belrose's place. And I, I think I would, we just I would like of, to be yeah. I would like to be clear that the uh the, the way that it's worded, like she'll do what you wish, uh just uh, to circumvent that it's running into slightly icky territory. Oh, like it's not stuff. it's yeah, not like yeah, Wild yeah. Rose was like, ah. Let's go to bed then. And she was like, oh, yes, of course I must now. Yeah. 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 So I'm making sure you don't get killed in the night. And, you know, let's, (laughs) what are we going to do while we wait? Oh, no. Indeed, indeed. I think um, it is the next morning and she is maybe maybe in her dressing gown, you know, um, sort of having breakfast when you get up. And she'll say, what were you really doing at the Midsummer Masquerade last night? Doesn't really seem like you're seen. Is it that obvious? I thought I tried real hard to fit in. Hmm. Nevertheless, the question stands. Who sold you that dress? The number I had on last night, that was from the famous Miss Hazel Beaumont. Surely you have heard of her if she was the talk of the party last night. I have indeed. I've... Heard a few things about Miss Beaumont. What is it exactly that drew you to wanting to wear one of hers? Well, I've only met her once. It was at a private fashion show that was held at someone's home, a mutual friend. A Miss, I need her name, hold on. Names on the fly are tricky. Violet Thorne, a Miss Violet Thorne. Another flower name. Yes. She says, And thorns. It was a private fashion show, and I was invited because, well, I'm a fashionable woman, aren't I? Of course. And she looked at me and she said, Miss Belrose, it would be an honor for me to put my clothes on you. And then she made a really terrific comparison to sometimes the canvas is more important than the paint. And well, I was utterly flattered. What can I say? I think she did a splendid job. It's certainly a very flattering dress. And she says, why do you care so much about Miss Beaumont? Surely you've heard some of the rumors. When was the last time you spoke to Miss Thorne? She says, well, I actually thought Miss Thorne was going to be at the party last night, but she didn't huh. show up. 
I wonder if I should be worried about her. I don't suppose. And please don't take this as an insult. I don't suppose you'd mind sharing Miss Thorne's address with me? I might go and inquire. Yeah, she'll give you the address, no problem. And then she says, funny thing about Miss Beaumont, when we all were gathered to chat with her in private, she insisted that we meet in a dark room lit only by green lanterns. Don't you think that's funny? Well, it's certainly mighty odd. When you went, was there anything special about the... I don't suppose you noticed how they were... Was it the flame green or was it green glass? It was green glass. There's something about the color. She felt more at ease. That is mighty interesting. That's your clue, though. Great, thank you. Um, I also wondered, this might be a stretch too far, a little cheeky, given that I've handled this dress, was there anything about the dress itself to learn? I'm Basically, what I, the line of thinking I have is, if people are being turned into husks by wearing her clothes, is there something about the dress itself? I don't think there's anything about the dress, no. I think it's something mm. else, yeah. Great, okay. That's good to know. In which case, Rose would uh, I'd finish the conversation by, ah, so this is the famous breakfast I heard a lot about and, can, and proceed to stuff her face before <laughs> then, uh, then heading out. I have a really hard time imagining someone like Sylvia Burrose eating beans on toast. That's just me. <laughs> She's an East End girl through and through. I think you'll find. Poisson, <laughs> darling. Poisson by her personal French pastry chef. Mm. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, well, okay. So it sounds like you are just going to, I mean, do you want to like go pick up Ms. Estrella on the way to Ms. Thorne's then? <laughs> or Yeah, I think... The tattoo, the spider tattoo that started itching, uh, the mm-hmm. spider web tattoo that started itching last night when the um, the sister Sandula started watching Rose, that's still playing on the back of her mind. And I think she's going to go back to the house because that's where her, her thesaurus mm-hmm. is that has the cutout in the middle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and in there, because... You can't always rely on uh, other artists in this day and age, especially in a place that you've not grown up or not been for for a very long time. She's got her own personal little ink and needles set. Mm. So she's going to head back to the house first. That sounds good. We'll pick up with that scene in a bit. Why don't we just go straight to Limehouse with Granson and Mr. Hart. So we had, as a sort of, I mean, given your background, Granson, it might be most interesting for you to go look at the bodies. Jenny mm-hmm. Johnson has the bodies in her basement. Yeah. Um, she's hiding them from uh, everyone, <laughs> basically. But otherwise, there's lots of places around Limehouse. Uh, if you two want to go, you can split up or go together, however you want to do it. What do you think? Oh, I'd very much like to go look at the bodies, please. Mm, yeah, I would follow. That's where I would go as well. So we'll start in Jenny Johnson's opium den. And I think it might be kind of fun, actually, to have a scene with the two of you in the cab on the way over, just because we might have some things to discuss. Um, and we just haven't really seen the two of you have much of a chat yet. So I think we should do that. <laughs> well, I like the fact that even even though uh, Jonas is a big man, <laughs> and then we've got quite the small grandson, they are on the same seat. They're not, like, back or forth with it. So they're, she's a little squashed next to him, but it doesn't show it. 
<laughs> you bought your bag, I hope. Of course, Mr. Hart. You dealt with vampires before. I am au fait with them. Easier than fay. They talk, they bargain, they play games. You see a vampire, you kill it. Simple. How was the shop, Mr. Hart? Find any clues? I mean, I found... I found a message. I found a display. I, I found corpses positioned like toys, like playthings. And I think I found her. But she left. She... She didn't flee. She wasn't there all of a sudden. She let me go, or at least allowed me to go without a fight. She's a threat. She's killing fancy people. Don't buy her clothes, you'll be fine. This thing, this seems more immediate. This is taking people from the streets. Why does she let you go, Mr. Hart? Maybe because I'm a heart. Maybe because it's a fae and it, it's fickle. It doesn't know what it wants half the time and just goes for whatever brings it the most joy, the most pleasure. I promise you I'm not the most pleasurable company, as I'm sure you know. May I speak frankly, Mr. Hart? If you must. You shouldn't be hiding behind your name. You should... You know, it can only offer so much protection before eventually they will come for you. I think you know this. Everybody comes for me. Everybody comes for my family. Everybody came for all of them. That's why I'm it. I'm left. I am the last heart. One of them will get me. And then we'll be done. And this stupid family nightmare will be over. And I'd say the world is all better for it. There's somebody watching Sir Richard's house yesterday whilst you were dealing with our, um, well, another assassin on your name, I guess. You know who? No, I did not recognise uh, the person per se, but according to the maid, they had been visiting a few times to the house, keeping a watch. I suspect they were looking for Miss Beaumont, but and while I did have a quick word, she seemed to know you. What was she like, this woman? Oh, like any higher up, beautiful, gorgeous, a sapphire around her neck. She knew you, she knew the others, she knew about Hargrave House. Did she threaten you? Did she threaten the house, the team? I think she tried to, giving those information. And we'll keep a lookout. See if his carriage appears again. Maybe give the description to the others. See if Miss Fletcher and Miss Estrella keep an eye out for, for on their travels. I think this is probably the good justification for the vulnerable move. If uh, Mr. Hart, you were under the influence of laudanum during that scene <laughs> by chance. <laughs> well, I think it's quite common. I think <laughs> I open my bag. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. The vial is missing. <laughs> Precisely. Um, the way this move works, let's read it out. It says, when you have an intimate moment with another hunter, which we did, while one of you is engaged in your vice, which he was, you may clear an appropriate condition. Now, uh, you don't have any conditions, Mr. Hart, but I think unburdening this, 
the talk of the Sapphire uh, woman might justify clearing that one, Ms. or Ms. Cranston, if you want to do that. Yes, that's right. And then it says, if it's your vice, Mr. Hart, you can also stumble on a clue. You tell me what it is. It cannot conclusively answer a question by itself, uh, mm -hmm. but you get to create it. And it can be for either Ooh. mystery. Or invite Granson to ask you a question about your past. You must answer truthfully, but not necessarily completely. This is another one of the rare mechanical instances in which you're allowed to talk about your past, as long as you invite Granson to ask the question out of character. If it's rare, then let's do it. <laughs> it's only a two shot. Let's yeah. Let's lead into the rarity. I, think, I invite... think of your question, Granson. Yeah, think of it. Oh God. Okay. Uh... And then we'll we'll come back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Wild Rose, this is your uh, tattoos is your vice. So set up this scene with Ms. Estrella. Where, where is it happening and what's going on? Rose will will come back into Hargrove House and will probably just be aiming to head straight up to her room, but kind of like bustling in with uh with purpose because I, i've got it i've i've got to get this sorted but uh but also need to need to head out um i'm envisioning that there's some kind of like as you walk past the through the main hall towards the staircase because there's got to be a grand staircase right on the on one side i'm imagining like a dining room where there's maybe leftovers of breakfast that are being cleared up i don't know whether eve would be there or not but rose would kind of wheel in and like grab another pastry or something and then like storm up the stairs um i don't know if where eve would be at the time if you would even be there let's have eve accost you in the hallway so potentially she's been waiting for you to return because she'll she's she's not daft and she'll have known where you've been <laughs> Hmm. These are great. Did you have any? No. I haven't eaten. Oh, why not? You're missing out. They're real good. How was your evening? Hmm. Eventful and useful. Lots of information. Good time. Yours? Well, mine was fine. Um, I... Okay, I suppose if you're telling me that you have this information, would you like to... Would you like to share? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I have a little thing I need to, I got a little itch I need to scratch. It, did you not do that last night? <laughs> Different kind. <laughs> okay. Come, come, come. Let's let's walk and talk. Well, continuation of pastry. So, uh, as we're bustling into uh, to Rose's room, uh, reaches up, grabs the thesaurus, um, I think you've probably seen her do this before, whether you approve or not. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Ms. Uh, Ms. Bellrose, uh, who I spent the, who I was just with, I, I don't know if you know her. She uh, she was wearing one of the dresses by made by Ms. Beaumont. Uh, she seemed to think that well, it's, it's possible that her friend, uh, Ms. Thorne, I don't know if you know her as well, uh, might be in danger. She was supposed to be at the dance last night, but wasn't. And there was also something about green glass. Ms. Beaumont requested that they all meet in a dark room lit only by green lights. So I think if we're trying to stop her, we need to figure out, I don't know, does red lights work? Is that what, is that going to harm her? Or if we're going to try and persuade her to stop, then maybe 
green lights would be helpful. Um, and whilst she's sort of business, business, business with all this information, it's pulling out the needle and inks and is going to start <clears throat> over the top of the, the spider web, which I'm picturing actually is on the inside of uh, one of our, she's rolled up her sleeve. Spider web is there and she's going to start tracing over it with a, a long stem and start put buds on the end like lavender but it's all just in the black ink over the top okay this is all just such taunting of mrs Estrella. i know <laughs> so, okay well um it's interesting to know that um sylvia had uh one of uh one of miss beaumont's dresses um although whether i would really call that a dress i don't know it's virtually underwear um worked for me <laughs> so that's all very strange with the with the lights were you thinking that you would go and try and see violet that shouldn't be a problem i i, I do know her oh great good yeah I, I mean uh sylvia gave me violet's address but if you want to come with if you know her that might be better if, i'm hoping she's alive and if she is that'd be better than you turn up than i just bustle in as a stranger yeah, I think if there's anybody at home, I've got a chance. I will get through the door, and there's no chance you would. So I could probably find a way, but I take my word for it. Um, okay. So how long is whatever this is going to take? Is that is that a spot? Is that a spider? Is that a spider web? Uh, was a spider web. Trying to get rid of it. It's been itching me something awful since last night. Did you see those? The two ladies dressed in. Full length veils, lace veils. It was a masquerade. It was slightly outside the theme, but I did notice them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the moment you speak those words, you will hear glass shattering from a room, a different room, somewhere in the house, on the second story. Pull out my pistol. Before we get too far, I do think you probably can make the case for clearing intrigued and slightly concerned wild rose <laughs> since you are Phew. feeling yourself right now <laughs> um, sorry i don't feel that eve makes um intimate scenes very easy but, um, <laughs> what <laughs> there you go i think you could probably make a case for clearing toast of the town miss estrella since um you're having to like listen to this uh this absolute great fucking blasphemy yeah, this escapade <laughs> that you were not the center of. <laughs> the question, though, since this is your vice, the tattoo stuff, Wild Rose, um, you can invite Ms. Estrella to ask you a question about the past, or you can stumble on a clue right now. Oh. Uh, I mean, we, we do have a lot of clues. Yeah, um, you do have a lot. And you're about, you, have, um, you have one coming with Mr. Blackwood, too, so, yeah. Are there any other benefits of of Eve asking a question about the past other than just it's a fun role play moment. Just fun to learn the moment, yeah. Learn about you. Yeah. You don't get to talk about your past very often. So yeah. No, that's true. No, I I think we've we've seen little little glimpses of Rose. I'm happy to to take another clue. And I think she's she's also instantly concerned about what that glass is. I will say that as she finishes the the lavender, I think just before the thing goes off there's almost like a little um 
puckering, prickling of the skin as if something spiky was pushing out the other way from oh. underneath the skin. Just a little <sighs> along the the tattoo that's been formed. Oh, is that and the then clue? it seems that's, to settle. That's really good. Yeah. Oh, it can be like a clue. That. No, that yeah. was I was linking it to the curse, but uh... oh no, I love it. Well, so I, so no, I think it's great. I think maybe like there's a connection to the flower, right? And yeah. the seamstress's power that could be really interesting. Um, you, you get to define the clues, so that I mean that oh, sounds good to me. Yeah. I see. Cool. Yeah, I'll 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 take yeah, it. Someone note that for me. Shattering glass. At the same time, the front door of Hargrave House. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Granson's not around to answer. Someone has to get the door. Wait, do we not have any other servants? Just, just Granson. That's it. <laughs> For God's sake. But it seems like there's more servants because Granson does everything. Because <laughs> I just because I just appear behind you when you need stuff. I'm like, here you go, and then leave. <laughs> Glass shattering in one room upstairs. Doorbell ringing downstairs. What are you both doing? I mean, uh, do you want to be the presentational face and answer the front door? I'm not going to touch the door, but I I can receive the guest if you're if you're. Well, I, there's someone breaking in upstairs. I'm going that way. Well, I'll just wait outside. So you can stand behind the door and waft it if if you like. But you, if you want to speak to the person on the other side, you're going to have to open it. I'm going to head upstairs. <sighs> ding, 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 ding. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Why are all these people suddenly immune? It's impossible. Um, what am I going to do? Am I, am I not supposed to be immune to Eve's charms? Am I supposed I, to be doing That's up to you. Oh, no, I'm going upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's cut over to Mr. Hart, Ed Granson. Uh, let's have your question, Granson. Maybe this is being yeah. posed on the on the walk up to Jenny Johnston's. Clarifying question. So is, do I ask the question in character? Uh, it's up to you. You can handle okay. it however you want, in character cool. or just no, Yeah, no, no, I, I will do. Yeah, cool. Yeah, if we, as we sort of get out of the carriage, um, obviously I hop out first and then open the door. And just before we go, uh, I'll say, um, I know, Mr. Hart, that you've been on, well, probably thousands of these now, but I do wish to ask, was there a particular hunt or job that sticks out to you more so than the rest? A lot of questions today, Granson. Let me think. As you say, there have been thousands, but perhaps, perhaps it was the golem that perhaps stands out to me most. Was um, a particular quarry. It was most beasts, most creatures. They act on instinct or with a malevolence or with a a plan there's there's something driving them something they want something something behind it all but with this golem it was made and it was set loose it's it's acts almost seemed random it's violence tumultuous it's strength more than anything i suspect many hearts have faced and to destroy it well the furnaces were barely hot enough. It took three days to lower that damn thing down there. We lost four of the family on that one. 
and there was just me and my father left. We carry on in silence, mulling that over. Mm -hmm. Jenny Johnston's opium den is dim and smoky. You enter it through a side entrance in an alley. Dim and smoky. There's a heavy ammonia-like smell. This is what opium smells like when it's burning. There are people lounging on cushions, even in the middle of the day, quite a lot of them lounging, smoking from their pipes. There are also these sort of like little private cubicles as well in the space. They don't have doors, but they have a little bit of privacy because they're sort of set off from everybody else. Let's paint the scene, everyone. People from all walks of life patronize Jenny Johnston's. What do we see that indicates this? I think in one corner, in the, the darkest of shadows, is um, a very high-ranking politician, probably in sort of cabinet level or, or something like that, um, enjoying yeah, uh, the, uh, the wares and probably in the company of, of someone that they wouldn't want to be seen in the company of. <laughs> I think she's got a, a lockbox that no one else sees, but in this sort of narrative way, with the camera sort of zooms in so we can see it the inside the lockbox. The methods of payment uh, range far and wide. We have cash notes, we have coins of various degrees of uh, well-looked-afterness, uh, for want of the actual word. Um, but there's also things like where where people have wanted to keep going when they've run out of cash there's like silver pocket watches and things like that but on the other end of things there are a couple of iou scraps or the i nearly said the deeds to a sheep that's not what i meant <laughs> i meant like <laughs> you can have some stock yes i don't think they do deeds for <laughs> like it's victorian london we can do whatever we like <laughs> Historical accuracy be damned. I owe, I owe you ten geese. <laughs> Things like that. Love it. I think building off that, uh, obviously not the sheep, uh, but in the general, the different sort of um, the different currencies and stuff like that, you hear snatches of different, like half murmurs, uh, uh, people dreaming, people in their sort of fugue state, but they're speaking in different languages. There's only like a scrap of maybe English here and there, but there's different dialects, different regional languages. And then obviously there's bits of French, bits of German, perhaps bits, uh, you know, Chinese and, and Japanese or Korean all over sort of intermixing as they're all experiencing the same sort of uh, emotional state gasping out of instead of ecstasy ex i can't even say the word happiness joy uh yes um i'm finding this a hard question it's okay um, we can move on oh i don't want to not have anything but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe tell me about the um i'll give you a lead maybe uh what's hat check like how does that represent all the different social oh. classes of london or coat check yeah, no, I was, funnily enough, the first thing that came into my head when he posed the question was lost property. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then I thought, um, is she really giving people things back? Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, she's a community leader, but then it, it's an opium den and it's a bit, so I don't know, maybe there are certain things that are 
obviously somebody's. So it could be that on the inside of a door by whether whether hat check is is a monogrammed hip flask and um there's like a memento mori ring with um with somebody's hair in it and and then there's other things that might look quite standard just like a regular they might look like a hang, regular handkerchief to you and I but she has a sense of if something is meaningful sentimental to somebody and then she will be endeavoring to get that back to the person but um a lot of it's probably just sold or i was going to say yeah. re-gifted but you know <laughs> i like awesome. the idea that it's like a, a schrodinger's lost property box whereas yes. if you're the right person it exists yeah but if you're the wrong person Har- oh, is we being don't... paid yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. is being paid with like uh lost buttons and hip flasks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> you can't keep doing this wild rose <laughs> we need the rent <laughs> paid in proper money <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, to be clear, Hargrove House doesn't accept payment for what they do, but uh, I just thought that was funny. Um, okay. Wait, what? So. Why not? Oh, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, we had a meeting, guys. <laughs> That's really nice. Do it for the for the love of the game. Oh, yes, true, true, true. <laughs> um, so why don't we just set up the next couple of scenes before we take a break? So the two of you have entered the opium den. Jenny Johnston comes up to you, Mr. Hart. She is. I think she's the kind of person who has, generally speaking, a very soothing disposition. She is well put together, hair up in a bun, dark taffeta gown. She's the kind of person who I think she knows everyone's name. And she keeps very, very close. Like, uh, she has very good memory for who owes what and what she owes to people. And she instantly you know, recognizes you, Mr. Hart, because she was just at Hargrave House. And she says, Mr. Hart, thank you for coming so quickly to, and here she gets a little quiet, to um, look into this rather unfortunate matter. I would be happy to take you down to see the merchandise. Lead the way. This seems to be an immediate worry for us. I want to get to the bottom of it. She'll lead you sort of through the main area, through a little side hall, which will take you to some stairs down to where she keeps the body. But in the meantime, as you're following behind Granson or whatever you're doing, Granson, in one of these private cubicles, Mm. there is a gentleman smoking opium. He stands out because he is wearing a very elaborate sort of long gold kimono with soft slippers and most strikingly he's wearing a full face mask in the shape of a sun with a little hole in it where he can smoke the opium from and as you walk by he gives you like a dip of his head um just to show that he's he sees you he acknowledges you Meanwhile, back at Hargrave House, ding, 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 the, the doorbell is still ringing, <laughs> Mrs. Drea. 
I would like to ask a question about the opium den, just real quick. Um, so, was that a formal clue, Mr. Sunman, or yeah. is that <laughs> that's that's just imagery? Just a, just a, Very just a cool. detail. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if that was connecting their mask to the that particular threat. Right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you can interpret it however you want, but that's mm. what that's what's in the opium den right now. Okay, thank you. Um, so at the house, you don't need to ring the doorbell again. She's there now. She's getting, um, <laughs> she's, she's pulling her handkerchief from her bosom, right, and she's putting it around the door handle, and she's opening the, and then she just throws that on the floor once she's got the door open. I think Amazing. as soon as you open the door, Mr. Blackwood is there, and he oh, goes. No. Well, my goodness, man, it took you long enough to answer the... Oh, <clears throat> oh, Mrs. Estrella, I... What are, you, what are you doing answering your own door? I think this, all of the staff must have passed away. I have no idea. Anyway, would you like to come in? <laughs> well, I would love to. I, I find myself, frankly, quite distraught at the idea that someone of your magnetism and beauty should be forced to come and open doors i mean it's it's dreadful to even contemplate yes yes tell me about it i have to, yes no don't please don't tell me about it um so um yes would you like to um come through to the drawing room take a seat i um I, there's yes. nobody around to offer you anything so i hope you didn't i shall just get myself um, both of us a little a little afternoon aperitif from the bar cart say and he goes Lovely. into the drawing room he says i'm so happy you agreed to meet with me this afternoon mrs Estrella. i have some really fantastic ideas for this new piece and i really just want to pick your brain and well i want to understand the real eve Estrella. i want to understand what makes you tick so to speak not that i would compare you to a clock but oh um <laughs> Well, there was something that I wanted to understand as well. Yes, yes, yes. The business of Miss Beaumont. I can't imagine why, but... Well, I'm not going to tell you a thing until you can give me everything you know about Miss Beaumont. And he kind of gets really close to you at this point. And he says, Mrs. Estrella, given that you live in this house, and he looks around, and Hargrave House is a kind of a monstrosity to be perfectly honest i have to imagine that you are well i've heard the rumors that perhaps you have an interest in matters related to the supernatural or the other side as it were is this true i i've heard a lot from my friends about um the possibilities of things being more complex than we can see and I wouldn't say I'm disinterested. Miss Estrella, you might think me very foolish for saying such a thing, but I believe the Fae walk among us. And indeed, I think they inspire our greatest works. I like to imagine that Shakespeare performed his midsummer play for Oberon's court. I know that's very silly to contemplate. Miss Estrella, will you be my Titania? Oh, jeez. Um... I, I still do. I still do not feel that you have enlightened me in any way. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Meanwhile, Wild Rose. <laughs> Wild Rose. 
you did hear glass smashing coming from one of the rooms. There are many, many disused rooms in Hargrave House, and this is one of those. What do you do? Pistol out at the ready, but I'm trying to stealthily walk along the corridors um, and see if I can hear any other movement, if I can pinpoint which room the smash glass came from. I know you said it was like upstairs. Yeah, you can because there's a there's a afternoon, a strong afternoon breeze coming in through the no doubt window that was smashed open. You can hear it kind of whistling. If I sneak up to the door of that room, can I hear any movement inside? No. No movement. No footsteps. I'm going to very carefully and quietly turn the handle and open the door just a crack. Why don't we check in at the opium den for now? Granson, are you just following behind Mr. Hart, or are you going to do some investigating of your own? I am intrigued by uh, the bodies, but I think I will let uh, Mr. Hart go ahead, because obviously he, Jenny has spoken to him, <laughs> and I think I'm I'm sort of unseen at the moment, so, so apart from this man in the sun mask, so I think I will stay around here and sort of just, I think what I would do, I would walk up and down the cots, and, and see if there's anything else out of place, perhaps, other than obviously people uh, out of their mind on opium, I think, and just see what's around. And keep, definitely keep an, a watch every so often to glance back at the man in the sun mask. Very good. And Mr. Hart, Jenny takes you down into the basement where she has, you see the bodies, they're wrapped in canvas and stacked atop one another and clearly shaped like bodies so you know what they are there are other things down in the basement as well but she has a lantern that she gives you and she says well i have to go back upstairs and manage my business but do let me know if there's anything that i can do to assist you mr hart certainly best we take it from here i think thank you again for coming with such urgency. It's what I was born for, apparently. She gives you a a funny look at that remark, but then (laughs) goes upstairs. Uh, um, Well, you have the bodies. What are you going to do? First of all, uh, I haven't noticed Granson's gone and just kind of hold her hand and go, the tincture, and look around and go, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) I guess we'll do this the old-fashioned way then. Um, I'm going to just uh, whip out Requiem to just a cut uh, through the bindings to reveal the neck of the top body. Okay. Just lift it up and look at the the wounds on the neck. And then just take a little finger. And I'm just going to push the finger into one of the wounds. Just whip it round, bring out. And then just oh. um, tainted. But how far? Um, and I'm trying to do a, a clue move here. Yeah, you can do the information move. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to do some information. I was, I was, I was letting so you finish. Yeah. <laughs> um, roll with reason. Okay. So that is ooh, a seven. Okay, I'll give you a clue. There's a complication with it, but we'll. Okay, talk that's about fine. That. <laughs> I was trying to work out what the fail was because I'm only rolling it's the six, dice. Six or lower. Ooh, yeah. you. <laughs> There's a bit of worry there because I figured, you know, putting that sort of fluid in you could go quite wrong. Well, just putting your finger into the creature to lose a finger. Yeah, the old-fashioned ways were dangerous. If you had been there, Grenson. <laughs> I know, clearly. I'd be like, use gloves. 
<laughs> Granson, you're walking up and down the sort of rows of the patrons of the opium den. And it's a very quiet space. Mostly everyone just smokes and minds their own business. And very few people are like what I would classify as lucid right now. Indeed, your friend who you're keeping an eye on, who's keeping an eye on you, says in a loud enough voice for you to hear and doesn't seem too concerned about other people hearing him. He says, I think you'll find that most people here are not, well, terrific conversationalists. I will uh, turn around. Uh, and you are a good conversationalist, then? Yes, it's something I pride myself on. Join me. I don't partake. I have seen what damage it does to people and ruins their lives. I'm here on business. Well, that's... I'm somewhat depressing, but I am not going to cast any aspersions on how you choose to live your life, Mr. Granson. A lot of people seem to know my name. Tell me, if you know my name, I must know yours. I think it's interesting he called you Mr. Granson. I did clock it, but I didn't react to it. Yeah. And that he knows your name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that was the more because well. it's like, because yeah, normally people just call me Granson, never, never, never the first mm. bit. So. I clock it. He says, you have to forgive me. I have a tendency to see into other places where other people do not normally look. Intriguing. Tell me, if you are someone that looks into places, you must know a lot of what's been happening below, what is down there. I may know a little something about it, yes. I have to be careful what I get myself involved in. You see, anonymity is very important for me. I am a very highly placed member of the royal family, hence the mask. I can't be seen in an establishment like this, and I certainly can't be seen getting involved in murders. For one that requests anonymity, you do sort of stick out. I mean, there's not many people here with uh, wearing such fine attire and a, a mask so, I guess, out of place. You should have been at the ball last night, probably. <laughs> yes, the Midsummer Masquerade. I considered it, but then I wouldn't have the strength or wherewithal to be here with you right now, would mm. I? Indeed. Fine. If you wish to remain anonymous, that is fine. What do you know? I may make it worth your while for my employer. I have to remain anonymous. I have a very, very important ministerial position in the government, and it wouldn't do for anyone to see me in a place like this. Well, I will be the judge of that, depending on how good the information is and if it costs other people's lives. Make the information move. I will try. With... Sensitivity. No. <laughs> All right. That is a seven total. We'll come back to that. Okay. Wild Rose. Yeah. The sisters Sindula are in this dusty tarp covered, well, the furniture's covered with tarps, this room. They're there. There's enough light pouring in from the window they just busted for you to see them. 
they are standing there and they speak. They do this sort of speak where they finish each other's sentences. They bounce back and forth between each other. Hate it. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they say, my, my, aren't you a pretty one? A pity about those clothes. You should meet our mistress. What a vision you'd be once she's worked her magic on you. Are we assuming that I've gone in the room or am I still standing back to the door with the door slightly ajar? I was under in. I was under the impression that you had gone in enough to see what's going I on. See, but I see, fair enough. But they've they've clocked you anyway. So yeah. Sorry, <laughs> what are looks. you talking to me? I, <laughs> yeah. What? Head around the door. No one like, else in the room. Brady Bunch style. <laughs> oh hi. Oh no. Move for the nightmares. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, it's a very generous offer, but I, I don't buy things from people who knock at the front door, let alone throw bricks into our window and break in. We are here merely on an errand for our employer. We request that you cease your inquiries into our employer's business. Do this, and we will restrain ourselves. Ooh. Matter generous of you. What exactly is uh, is it that you think that we're doing? And at this point, they have started to lift into the air ever so slightly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're like a foot or two off the ground. And they're very slowly floating, blanking. Mm -hmm. your position and they say we are not inclined to negotiate we are however inclined to send a warning to your colleagues oh am i the warning you can be tempting why don't you send a warning to your mistress instead and say that we don't care if she hangs around and sells her clothes they're fine but she needs to start murdering people. And if she doesn't, then we're going to have to deal with it. You understand me? You feel a little prick in your neck. The tiniest little pinprick. It's a needle, a sewing needle, attached to a very fine black thread emanating from one of the Sister Sindula's sleeves. You know, I'm no danger, usually very pe peculiar about who I let do that to me. And then there's another from the other side and another. Perhaps we could dress you in fine silks right now. You know what? I'm fine with what I'm wearing. I'm going to shoot the one on my right. Yes. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Let's do the, it's actually going to be the night move, given the circumstances and the location <laughs> of the house. Have you had a day move yet, Nat? They all seem to be night. Nice. <laughs> That's all <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and it's getting worse. Because you're marked by the sister Sandula, you're at disadvantage. Oh, no. Oh. Okay. And because of their supernatural nature, you're rolling sensitivity. Oh, God. this is terrible. And. <laughs> but first. And. But first. But first, we have to uh, ne negotiate stakes here. So you are trying to, uh, I mean, I'll let you chase them off or destroy them as you wish. But uh, but what are you afraid is going to happen if you fail? I mean, if I don't stop them 
not only is Eve downstairs, but I mean, I'm assuming that their conversation was loud enough that it carried up the stairs that I know there's the artist fellow is down there as well. Mm who I mean I've not had a big conversation with so I don't I don't know him that well I'm assuming is an innocent at this point so mm. if uh yeah if I don't stop them then they might head downstairs towards them and if I'm not good enough of a message maybe Eve would be it's worse than that if you mm -hmm. don't stop them the reason why you will not have stopped them is because you will have been permanently wrapped in silver silk cocoon hanging dangling from a chandelier let's get dice mm -hmm. on the table you have three uh -huh. dice take the two lowest please great 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 okay that one is cocked but this is looking terrible already yeah okay four we've got masks you are mask, mask, you mask. are bombarded by threads and needles they fly out by the dozens, by the hundreds, Ew. they pierce every part of your body. They're working very quickly. The sisters Sindula just hold their hands out over you, almost like in a manner of prayer, as the threads and needles just work through your clothes, then through your skin. They come up through the soft bits of your neck and your cheek tissue and your ears and your eyes and your nose and your tongue, and you are just wrapped and wrapped and wrapped by the thread, and you feel yourself hollowing out you are drying up you are withering your organs are desiccating and if you don't put the janus mask on you will soon be dangling from a chandelier in the middle of the foyer assuming you do i mean you know i think i might <laughs> um I wanted to check though, you said there were there were other mask options. Yeah, so you can take the mask glamour because you're dealing directly with uh the spider silk seamstress, so that is an option. Um, or you can mark your past or future. What does the glamour one do? Uh I'll read it to you. The mask of glamour. Now these threat masks, they can only be picked once, and even though you pick it, usually everyone has to do something. And so in this case, each hunter will narrate a flashback to a time when they peered through the veil and glimpsed another world beyond this one. I might do that. That yeah. sounds fun. Mm -hmm. That takes your role up to a seven to nine. I will tell you that the complication is you're only going to be able to take out one of the sisters right now. Um, but the situation is otherwise under control. We'll come back to that. Mr. Blackwood is, he says, I say, he's, he's, he's like, have you ever considered mounting a production in this place? I mean, my goodness. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, I could see all sorts of fantastic horror productions, something, you know, something with lots of blood and darkness. That's not really um, my forte. I know that you are hideously dressed today. Um, would you like to tell me about what you were wearing yesterday? That was very interesting to me. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, if you insist, if you insist, it was a gift. It was a gift from... <clears throat> yes. It was a gift from Miss Beaumont. I was actually instructed by Miss Beaumont to gift it again to your Mr. Hart. 
I'm not sure why. Well, he didn't show up to the Midsummer Masquerade. I've still got it if you want. Yes. I nearly forgot until you reminded me. Yeah, you should get, yeah. Is it in, is it in, in your bag? Yes, I suppose it is. Yeah, come along then. And he pulls it out. Here's the interesting bit. The vest interior, it's lined with thorns. He says, oh, those weren't there before. How unusual. But that's actually your clue. She was targeting. She was targeting Mr. Hart for harm in advance. So Eve is going to, she'll she'll reach out for this shirt once he's, you know, whatever. So so she'll reach out a hand to take it from, to take it from um, Orin. And uh, does he just, does he just hand it, straight over does he attempt shenanigans he does yes i think he was i think he i think he was there to try to also fulfill his end of the bargain uh yeah okay because people keep doing shenanigans um (laughs) right so great so she so she's holding this up and she gets um like an eye a single eye piece magnifying glass out and, and she's looking at the lining um, and she just turns her back to him entirely and she's um and she lays it down on a table and is looking at it as if oh, as if she's forgotten that he's there <laughs> it's lined with thorns and additionally mm-hmm. it has it's embroidered on the interior which is weird because you wouldn't see it it's embroidered in the interior with a very very um sort of complex almost ritual like pattern on the inside okay Mr. Blackwood. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, um, you may go. What, what about, but what about Oberon's court and Titania and, well, all right. If, yes, all right. Perhaps I could, this, this seems like there's a lot of space here. Perhaps I could, perhaps I could, take up residence and do some writing and <laughs> <laughs> um you can leave he's like all right <laughs> and he goes and oh. i guess i'll just show myself out then that's your best option i think he stops momentarily when he hears gunfire i guess wild rose <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah 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 go ahead and finish that up with one of the with you you, you can destroy one of them but the other gets away what does it look like as the sisters go to shoot more needles into Rose, I mean, this is something she's kind of used to a little bit. It's certainly her vice, so it's not and until it got to overwhelming levels, it's not the most terrible thing. But um, but yeah, she pulls a pistol out, whips it round to shoot the one on the the right of her, and then the the left arm goes round, wraps around the the threads on the um the left hand one and yanks uh yanks her down and is wheeling round to try and bring the threads round to um if the one on the right has has not quite died from the the gunshot wheels around pulls the threads wraps them round her neck and chokes with them but the and, and then goes to fire again at the other one um who has disappeared out the window the one you destroyed 
collapses into a swarm of spiders. Yeah. Crawling. They just crawl out of the gown. How does that make you feel to be covered by all these scampering spiders? I'm going to very fruitlessly shoot a few more. (laughs) 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 Fuck off! Just like, bang, 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 bang. Orin Blackwood runs out of the house now, uh, Mrs. Strea. And Mrs. Strea, there's gunfire going on upstairs. We'll cut away from this for a moment. Mr. Hart, let me give you a clue. Oh, yes, please. With your um, very vivid description of your your forensic inquiry. (laughs) Let me tell you what you find. Curiously, you don't find anything uh, in... You fiddle around the hole, you taste the whatever's there, the residue, residue. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you're doing all that. You notice if you tear open the cloth a little bit more that one of the victims, it's the um, it's the male sex worker, Soft Jimmy, he's clutching a toy Viking ship. Very mm. intricately crafted. Um Jenny Johnson didn't mention that his body was found holding a toy Viking ship, but they must have just left him the way they found him. And that is your clue. Mm. Intriguing. Thank you. Granson, I owe you a clue as well. The man in the sun mask says, Granson, I have mentioned, I have alluded to the idea that there are multiple realities, multiple worlds beyond this one. And indeed there are. I am always attuned to these worlds. In one of them, you are a Mr. Cranston. In another, you never even reach adulthood. There is an even more interesting and perhaps disturbing world beyond this one. It's very, very similar to our own. It is in fact our own world, but it's very, very ancient. It never lurched into the modern world, into the modern times. It stuck in a time when the sun was new, when old spirits and old gods played and made war with each other. I see all these things at all times, Mr. Granson. With all my eyes, it is magnificent and terrible and bloody and every other awful, wonderful thing you can imagine. And I have seen your lurker. Where is it? Here. This cubicle is where he murdered poor Jimmy. And he points up <laughs> at something that you didn't see before. It's not the lurker. <laughs> no, I always, it's so funny. In most games, I always forget to look up and I'm like, oh, you should always look up in a horror game. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was Fiona reacting like, oh, always look up. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he points up. And he says, look at this. And it's a, it's like a drawing in charcoal. There are drawings like this in the very, very old parts of London. It looks sort of Roman. This particular one is a depiction of a Roman phalanx. That illustration was certainly not there before the night young Jimmy was killed. How far is it off the ground, and how big is it roughly, would you say? It could be reached if the child vampire was standing. Sure. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. I assume you're sitting down now with him. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Curious, don't you think? It makes me wonder if your lurker is like me and can see into the past or at least has fond memories of it. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Your identity will remain between us. Should I need your services again? Should my employer need your services again? Where can I find you? Where can I call upon you? Should you wish to be found? I am frequently here, Mr. Granson. But of course, you have to help me maintain my anonymity. I am a very famous artist, and I don't want people to think that my inspiration comes from smoking the poppy, now do I? Trust me, we have artists at our house all the time. They get in with all sorts. But rest at ease. I will not diverge any secrets. He nods and leans back and takes a drag off his pipe. Will the hunters of Hargrave House be able to defeat the fret of the spider silk seamstress? Find out next time on What Am I Rolling? The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howard. This episode's players were Nat, Strat, and Helen, some of the cast members from the Millie Roleplayers podcast, and me, Fiona. This episode's special guest GM was Jason Cordova, the creator of Brindlewood Bay, The Between, and Public Access. This episode's RPG was The Between, a tabletop role-playing game about a group of mysterious monster hunters in Victoria-era London. You can find out more information about The Between and get your own copy on the Gauntlet website. That's www.gauntlet-rpg.com. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon of twinmusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at wair underscore podcast for the latest news on upcoming episodes. We also now have a Discord, which is very exciting. So find the link to that in the episode show notes. And remember, adventurers need not apply.